Well, I'm glad to see you this morning on this um, sort of hurricane-ish day. Uh, you, you never know when you, when you start, they talk talking hurricane in Birmingham, Alabama, people just freak out, you know, it's the way it goes. But today, this is the last in our series uh, called No Doubt About It. We've been talking about doubt. Everybody knows what it's like to be touched with doubt. Everybody knows that. We've all experienced it. It's, it's a battle in our hearts sometimes that we have to deal with doubt. So far, we have talked about doubt in the middle of a storm, doubting God in the storm. We've talked about doubting God's faithfulness. What happens when we doubt his faithfulness, his power, his goodness. And today we're going we're gonna to talk about one called doubting God's promises. Doubting God's promises. You know, just to look up the word promise. What is a promise? What is a promise? It is an assurance that someone will do a particular thing and that that particular thing will happen. It's an assurance of knowing something that was promised is going to happen. That's what a promise is. Did you know the Bible has 8,810 promises in the Scripture? Did you hear that? 8,810 promises, 7,706 in the Old Testament, 1,104 in the New Testament, and the book in Deuteronomy chapter 28 has 133 promises just in that one chapter. God is not a stranger to promises. Amen. Back in 1994, that was back in the last millennium, there was this 67-year-old carpenter named Richard Herman in Marion, Illinois, and he died. And in his will, he bequeathed a lot of money. Listen to this. He bequeathed $2.4 billion to the town of Cave Rock, Illinois. Another $2.4 billion to the city of East St. Louis, Missouri. No, East St. Louis, Illinois. Then $1.5 billion for various uh, projects, neighborhood projects in all of southern Illinois. And in the final act on his will, he left $6 trillion to the Federal Reserve to pay off the national debt. Today, that's over $17 trillion. He left all of that. There's a problem. He didn't have any money. The only thing he owned when he died was a 1983 Oldsmobile Toronado. Now, of course, we see the problem here. He did not have the resources to fulfill the promises he made. Wow, sounds like politics, doesn't it? He does not have the resources to fulfill it. I want you to know he couldn't make good on his promises. But I want to start off by telling you, we serve a God who has no problem whatsoever resourcing the promises that he's given us. We're going to start there. We're going to start at that place. We have a God who owns it all. We have a God who can do all things. We have a God who knows all things. We have a God who can be counted on. By the way, 
He is my God. He is your God. He knows our names. I had a, an uncle who lived in, uh, he lived in Alaska. I had only met him about three times. He went up there before Alaska was a state, right after World War II. He went up there and he started a little, he had an airplane, and he and my aunt would fly people from point one to point two hunters to go back and forth. And he ended up growing his little um, hop, skip, and the jump airline. And by the time he retired, it was called Alaska International Airways. And it is a huge airline. Some of you may have flown Alaska International before. Now, the problem was, Mr. McGoffin, that was his name, he was my uncle, had no idea who I was. Had no idea who I was. He did know I was from Alabama, but he wouldn't know if it was, he wouldn't know my name. You see, it, it's not always, it's not always who we know, and if maybe they might know who we are, sort of. We've got a God that knows everything about you, and all of his promises are for you by name. Now, Satan promises the best, but always pays with the worst. Satan promises honor and pays with disgrace. He promises pleasure and pays with pain. He promises profit and pays with loss every time. He promises life and pays with death. Isn't that true? That's exactly what happens with him. One of my, one of my favorite of Aesop's fables, I don't know if you've, you've heard of Aesop. He's this uh, Roman guy that wrote really cool stories that had morals to them. Aesop's fables, you know, the turtle, the tortoise and the hare and all those kind of things. Well, there's one I like that's called the scorpion and the frog. And the scorpion was, uh, scorpion was trying to get across a river. And I don't know if you know this, but scorpions can't swim. And so the scorpion was going down there trying to find out how to get across the river. And he couldn't, so he saw a frog. And he said to the frog, Mr. Frog, would you allow me to crawl on your back and you can swim me across the river? And the frog said, are you kidding? We're going to get halfway across that river and your stinger's going to pop me and kill me. And the scorpion said, that is ridiculous. If I did that, we'd both drown. Frog said, well, that's true. Mr. Frog said, well, well wait, wait a minute. What if when we get there and you let me off, you get off my back, you turn around and sting me? He says, that's ridiculous. Don't you know? I would be so appreciative for what you did to get me across the river, how in the world would I turn and hurt you like that? Mr. Frog said, okay. So the scorpion climbed on his back. They started swimming across the river. Sure enough, halfway across the river, pop. And the frog, as he began his little, uh, began his like hands and feet began to sort of freeze and he realized he was going to die. He goes, Mr. Scorpion, why did you do that? The scorpion says, what do you expect? I'm a scorpion. That is Satan. I want to tell you something. If It is a true statement that God, God's promises are 100%. I want to promise you, Satan's promises are all lies. They're all lies. You cannot manage sin. You cannot manage the enemy. You can't use the enemy for a while and then use God for a while. You cannot make peace treaties with the enemy. You cannot do it. A hundred percent of the time, his promises that he makes are going to be lies. That's a good place for us to begin.
Now, what I want to do today, I want to look at God's promises in three easy ways, okay? The first one is we're going to look at what God's promises are in the past tense, okay? First of all, in the past tense. Let's look and see what God's promises in the past have been. I want to read to you Joshua 21, 45. Not one of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. This was actually spoken by Joshua when he was trying to let the people know that it was God that had delivered them into the promised land. And Joshua looked back and said, guys, you live through it. You remember it. Not one promise God made to us on our journey, not one did he break. Now, folks, that is, that is a really good place for somebody to be. They can look back and say, I have evidence that God has never broken a promise. It's the same one we read in 1 Samuel 17, 37. David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Think about that, guys. Think about it. When we look back and see how God has already fulfilled his promises to us, it should be a signpost that says God will not fail. If I can look back in my life and see God's faithfulness, then I know God is faithful now. I know that. I understand it's in darkness, and sometimes we don't see the next step, but I do know, I do know that God will lead me right. Um, Back when I was a youth pastor, we used to do these things called faith walks, and what we'd do is we would get, we'd divide our team up, and everybody had a partner, and one of the partners would be blindfolded, and the other partner could not touch them but had to stay right behind them and give them instruction. And you would take them on a trail and under a table and all these places. And the person behind them, we said, learn what their voice sounds like because they're going to give you, they're not going to trick you. They're not going to trick you. And so as as they're going along, these people are going, okay, you can now now stop, now turn right, okay, now take, take small steps, okay, now take a big step. And every time you saw people that like during the middle of the trip when they would say, okay, uh, take, take one large step, they would go, are you sure? Are you sure? Ah! <laughs> Eventually, as they learned to believe that they weren't going to play a trick on them, it all worked well. We even had one moment where they were to go right by the edge of, the, of, a, of a creek and squat down. They could hear the water and said, now just lean forward just a little bit and reach down, keep going, you're going to touch the water. And how many people said, you're going to push me in, aren't you? You're going to push me in. Don't you dare push me in. That is us. God has always been faithful to us. He has never led us wrong. And somehow, when we get to that next step, we're going, are you sure? God, you're going to push me in. You're going to leave me hanging. Let me ask you, God's promises in the past tense have been mighty good. I want to give you this, this truth. Leaning on God's promises will not break them. Leaning on God's promises will not break them. God wants us to lean upon his promises. Those things he's promised us in the past has been something we can count on. If God did this, then he can do this. Let me tell you a promise that I lean on. 
right now because of something I saw God do in the past. When I have people, crazy people, who come up to me and say, I don't believe that God heals the sick. I don't believe it. I believe that we're just in a fallen world and people get sick and that's just how it's going to be. I don't believe in the whole healing. I've had ministers tell me that before. But folks, I remember one time being in Mercer, Pennsylvania at a Jesus festival. Yes, it was Woodstock with no drugs and nobody was naked. We were, we, it was sort of a music festival and we were all worshiping God and I had, I had gone to my little campsite, a bunch of guys, we had gone up there together and we camped in a tent and we cooked SpaghettiOs over the fire. It was really quite Woodstocky, And uh, uh, this was in like early 70s. Uh, so anyway, I, I, I was at my little campfire, but you could hear the loudspeakers from right over the hill where everybody was sitting on the side of the hill. And I heard on the loudspeaker, this guy says, God is doing something incredible in this place. God's healing power is here. Wow, I want to see this thing. I'm just a Baptist boy from Alabama. I want to see this. So I threw my SpaghettiOs in the fire and ran, several of us ran over the hill. And when we ran right on the top of the hill, going down the hill, I I saw, you know, there was a guy on the stage. He wasn't a famous guy. I don't even know who he was. Uh, He was on the stage. He had a microphone. There were still a lot of people sitting around on the ground. And uh, I noticed a guy sitting right over to my right. He was in a wheelchair. Now, I had seen him for two or three days. His grandmother, I believe, had brought him every day and had rolled him over the hill. She was sort of an older person, but she had gotten him. He was probably in his early 20s. He had cerebral palsy. He had cerebral palsy in a very severe way to where he could not talk at all uh, plainly, and he was confined to a wheelchair, and he was twisted very, very much. And I had seen him over, the few, over a few days, and, uh, but he, his mind was all there, but his body just wasn't functioning right. And um, I, I remember seeing him over there, I, I saw him, and then the guy at the front said, there's, there's someone and pointed in this direction, says, in that wheelchair, God is going to set you free. Stand up. And folks, I saw that guy get out of his wheelchair I saw his arms straighten out. I saw his legs straighten out. I saw the guy get out of the wheelchair and stand up. And he wasn't, he he didn't have good balance. He had never stood up before. Would you have good balance if you never stood up before? I I remember, and his tongue was loose. He was trying to speak it. He had no problem speaking, but he had never formed those words before. And his grandmother passed out, boom, on the ground. He got up, she hit the ground. I remember being just struck in awe. So I want to tell you, I saw that. That was the lion and the bear for me. I want to tell you, I know my God can heal the sick. I have seen him do it. Don't tell me that's not possible because God's promise from the past tense is still true. It's a strength in my heart. Another one that sort of uh, even moved me more, I I remember a a few years ago, I was called to the bedside of someone who was a member of this church who had had a um, very difficult life and in alcoholism and some other issues in their life and had just recently come to the Lord, just a few years earlier, but 
now had liver cancer and was dying and was on his last few days. And I was called to his bedside and he said to me, Preacher, are you sure when I get there he's not going to hold all that stuff against me? Now, folks, that's looking at the past tense <laughs> and saying, is it true my sins are forgiven or was that just something somebody promised me? Let me tell you who made that promise to him. God. That wasn't a preacher promise. That wasn't an evangelist promise. That was a God promise. And I showed him in the scripture, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed my transgressions from me. I went through the scriptures showing him if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I gave him that story over and over and over and I told him, I showed him in the scripture the promises of God and he sat there with tears rolling down his cheeks and he said, I believe it, I believe it. And about two days later, he went into the presence of the God, God with a smile on his face knowing that his sins were forgiven. That's because what God was faithful to do in the past, he knew he could carry on with. I want to tell you what, it is important that we know what God's word says. It is important we know how faithful God has been. I love it in Master's Commission when I have new students who, who come, they love Jesus, but they don't know a whole lot about the Bible, and, and you start showing them promises in God's Word, and they're going, oh, you're kidding? Really? That's true? And just to see the look on people's faces, that's true? Oh, that's incredible. And they have no problem reaching out and believing that. I want you to know, in the past tense, God's promise is true. Now let's switch to the future tense. I want to go to the future tense for a minute. One of my favorite stories in the world is in the Bible is about Paul when he was on a ship on his way to Rome. And uh, he was a prisoner, and he was on his way to Rome, um, and the storm came, a terrible storm came, and the storm was so bad they didn't know how they were going to survive it. The ship had been tossed to and fro. They had thrown everything overboard that they could they had, they had broken the mast on the sails. It was a terrible storm. And Paul was down below in a little prison area. And God came to him, an angel came to him and said, this is what the Lord says. You will end up going to Rome and everyone on this boat will survive. And so Paul started saying, hey, don't worry, everybody. God says everyone's going to survive. And I'm telling you, that was no little storm. It was a terrible storm. Every sign pointed to the storm taking them down forever. They threw things overboard. They ended up taking the shackles off of him because they didn't want him when it sunk to just uh, not have a you know, fighting chance to swim off or whatever. And he kept saying, no, I believe God as it was spoken to me. That's what Paul said, literally. I believe God that it will be as he said it was going to be. He had a future faith in what God was going to do because he said God spoke it. Well, the ship it got worse, the storm got worse, and when the storm got worse, Paul said, I believe God. This, then the ship hit some rocks and started bursting apart, and he said, I believe God. Everybody's jumping in the water, and he's saying, I believe God. And everybody, the Bible says, grabbed onto pieces of wood, and they're on pieces of wood in the middle of the storm, 
and Paul says, I believe God. And then, then the waves got worse, and Paul goes, blue, 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 but he still believed God. He'd go underwater and come back up. I believe God. And you know what the scripture says? And it says, and every one of them washed ashore on the island of Malta, and no life was lost. Now, that is called trusting God's future commitment. God said, nobody's going to die. And they didn't. Because God's future promises are just as true. I want to read to you 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Whoops, have I got the right one? Um, yeah, in fact, let me read it from there. Praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never spoil or perish or fade. That inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Folks, that is incredible. God promises us that because of our commitment to him on this earth, he has promised us heaven. He has promised us heaven. I am confident, I am confident that one day when I take a step into that area that's called the unknown, called death, that I will never die. Did you hear what I just said? I'm confident on the day that I meet death, I will never die. You know why I know that? Because this is what Jesus said. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he who lives and believes in me will never die. Hey, yeah, come on, that's worth it. I know that's true. I know that's true. Some of you have heard me share this story before. You'll probably hear it again because it was one of those that shook me to the core. Not because I didn't believe it, but because it confirmed what I believed. Um, several years ago, or a couple of years ago, my brother, who is a physician in Columbus, Georgia, uh, had gone to see a lady in her 80s that was uh, with hospice. Uh, the lady had a, an aortic aneurysm, which had begun to bleed out, and, and she just knew it was a matter of time before that aneurysm burst, and she went to be with the Lord. She was an incredible lady, a woman of God. My brother was, is a fine Christian man, and he wanted to go by and see and check, check on her. So he goes to her house. He goes in, and she said, oh, Dr. Sims, I'm so glad you're here. He said, I just wanted to pray with you today. I was on my way home. She said, thank you so much, because she's feeling really quite well. She's just waiting. And so she was sitting in a chair, sort of a, a recliner type kind of chair, and she sat up. My brother pulled a chair up right in front of her, and he was going to take her hands and just pray with her. And he said he, she sat up, she looked up, she pointed and said, oh, he's here. And then she fell over into his arms. He caught her, and she went to be with the Lord. Well, my brother called me. He said it was the most holy moment in the world. Said the, the lady's daughter was standing there and it was just silence. It was such a holy moment. 
Well, my brother said that when she said, he's here and pointed, he looked. He turned around and looked to see what she saw. She saw it. He didn't. Well, he called me on the phone and said, that's generally how people call people, but he called me. <laughs> Sorry. Redundancy there. He called me and said, Mark, something has just happened to me that's never happened. I've been with a lot of people who've passed away, but this has never happened like this before. And he gave me, the, rehearsed the story to me, and he said, Mark, I will never fear death again. Never. It has been an incredible source of strength to me as I minister to other people who are in that place. But I want to tell you, I saw him last Saturday. I went to Auburn to a game, and I saw him last Saturday. And my brother came up to me and says, Mark, remember that story that I told you? Yeah. I said, Mike, I remember it. Believe you me, I remember it. I tell it all the time. And he said, God just showed me something about that. I said, what? I said, God, we always think about God's going to send the angels to come get you. No. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus came and got her. Because he had never left. He was just there the whole time. That's the promise he gave us. That's what he, he said, if I go away, I will come again to receive you to myself. He came for her. It wasn't an angel. He came. And I, I thought, here, you know, two or three years later, that is still percolating in his soul. And it's, now it's percolating again in mine. And now I'm telling it to you. This is why. Because I believe God's future promises are also true. I believe it. Yes, we have a promise for the future of more than heaven. But let me tell you, what is the ultimate promise? What is the ultimate promise? That I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How about this future promise? This future promise could be the future for anybody just sitting under my voice right now that's, uh, that could happen in a few minutes. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a future promise. Yes, it may be 10 minutes from now that that future is called upon for you to call on the Lord, but I'm telling you, God's promises in the future tense, there are tons of them, and they're all true, and they're going to be true, and I'll stake my life on it. Will you? Okay. Now let's come down to where we live. Let's look at present tense. The present tense. You know what? It's okay for me to believe that David killed Goliath. It's okay for me to believe that Jesus healed the man born blind. And it really feels good to believe that. And it's okay for me to even believe that somehow when I die, I'm going to be able to translate it into heaven. But where, it, where the rubber hits the road is what I believe right now. And I want you to know that God's promises that we often doubt... Doubt comes and tells us God's promises are for the past and maybe God's promises are for the ultimate future, but right now, he's let me hang out here to dry. I want to tell you, God's promises are for now. I want you to look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. This is powerful. His divine power, now that's the Holy Spirit, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great, precious 
promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Did you hear that? He said God through the Holy Spirit has given us precious promises that through those promises we can, present tense, live in the divine nature of God. It is heaven on earth can happen right here. That's why miracles of God can happen in a fallen world because God's promises work now, not just in the future, not just in the past. That is, that is giant, guys, that's giant. God has given us precious promises. So through that promise, we can participate in a miraculous, divine, supernatural lifestyle. It's true. I want you to look at Jeremiah 33.3. Some of you know that is God's phone number. I learned that in Bible school. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. That is a present promise right now. God says, call on him. Just call on me. Call on me. Call on me. I'll answer you. Call on me. Does God hear my prayers? Yes. Yes. God hears your prayers. Yes, he hears your prayers. How about Matthew 7, 7? Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Did you see that? For everyone who asks receives. That's not future tense, that's present. For he who seeks finds. Do you understand? God's promises to you, God's promises to you are not for the glorious future or to look back and salute at the past. They are for us to walk our lives in obedience to God and enjoy the supernatural promise of God, his divine nature working inside of us. How can a person who is laden with sin and has sinful lifestyles and has their mind going the wrong direction all the time. How can a person like that suddenly be redeemed and then they learn to walk with God and they no longer walk in their sin and no longer walk in their guilt and shame? It's a miracle and it happens on this earth. You can shed your sinful lifestyle here. You don't have to wait for heaven for that. God has given us the ability to walk with God here. It's true. I want you to look at, of course, one of everyone's favorites, Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul. In all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, I want you to notice these are in the present tense. Who forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Not will be renewed, not was renewed, but is renewed like the eagles. Those are promises for now, not for later. Those are God's promises to us. How about Hebrews 13, 5? I will never leave you or forsake you. 
no matter what I'm in the middle of. I think we started this series off, Pastor Jay, with uh, doubting God when we're in the middle of the storm. And what was the, what was the word that God said? I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. You see, Jesus lives in us. He's that close to us. He lives in us. Faith is the only way we can embrace God's promises. I just want to tell you, it's this word, faith. Faith is the only way you can embrace God's promises. Uh, in Hebrews 11, we, we read something. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to refer to it. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He embraced the promises of God to sacrifice his only one and only son. Embracing the promises of God. How do you embrace it? Well, you embrace it, the Bible says, with faith. The, the word embrace there, I love it. He embraced the promises of God. It's this Greek word that it's... Anadekomai is the word, and it means this, to receive it, to take it up, to welcome it enthusiastically into your life. <laughs> to welcome it enthusiastically into your life. Rather than taking the promises of God and saying, you sure? You sure? I don't know. I don't know. Give me a sign. <laughs> Give me a sign first. No, no, no. The Bible says to embrace the promises of God or saying, oh, yeah, come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, embrace the promises of God to us. 1 Corinthians 1.20 tells us that all of God's promises are yes and amen. All of God's promises. Let me ask you this. In our world, who do people always consider their promises yes and amen? Obviously, it's not true of politicians. We don't consider their promises yes and amen. Yes and amen means I agree with it and it's going to happen. That's not true. Who do, in our society, who do we usually do? Here's what we do. We usually accept the word of a doctor. My brother says it's very, my brother's a doctor. He said it's very frustrating because people think you're God and you're not God. And he said that's very frustrating. Here's the deal, guys. Sometimes when a, a doctor comes in and goes, hey, look, this is what I saw. Truth is, you're going to have to be on those meds the rest of your life. He does not have the last word. His promises are not yes and amen. They are not. You know who else people always accept those words? The weatherman. Hello, look around. The weatherman. The weatherman. People always love to, to do that. Not, not that the track record's that great. It's amazing. We jump to say yes and amen to so many people's promises. We even jump to say yes and amen to the promises of sickness and the promises of pain. That's jumping and saying yes and amen to the devil's promises. God wants us to say yes and amen to his promises. To what God says, not what the world says. Notice, it's in the passive voice. Excuse me. It's not in the passive voice. It's in the active voice and the middle voice. That's, that's how this is. He embraced the promises of God. It's not a passive thing. It's an actual active, I'm embracing God's uh, promises. I'm embracing his promises. It's active and it's middle, meaning it affects me. I have to do the action. I have to do the action. It's not some inevitable thing. Well, if God wants to do it, he's just going to do it. No, the promises of God, we grasp and we take them and say, God, this is for me. When a person comes to Christ, don't they have to pray and say, God, 
I repent of my sins. I accept Jesus as my Savior. Isn't it a decision we make, an active decision we make? It's not, well, if God wants to save me, he'll just save me. That's ridiculous. We say, no, no, no. Talk to God. Have a relationship with Him. God wants us to be a part of it. That's how you accept God's promises. That's how you receive God's promises. You actively, actively embrace them and call them yours. It's not inevitable. Um, I started off by talking about um, uh, the scorpion and the frog, which of course was one of Aesop's fables. I'm going to go back in time again and and call your attention to an incredible allegory uh, by John Bunyan called Pilgrim's Progress. If you've read it, it's just incredible. There's just a little thing I want to tell you about it. There was a, the main character's name is Christian. And Christian is trying to walk down the highway and end up in the kingdom of God. And with Christian, he, uh, he had taken a, a little path that seemed to be easy, but it brought him into this place called the land of the giant despair. And he found, he found that that giant named Despair owns Doubting Castle. And so he is captured by Despair and thrown into Doubting Castle. And he finds himself in a dungeon. And so Despair comes down and says, Christian, go on and kill yourself. There's no way to get out of this dungeon, uh, Doubting Dungeon. And then Christian realized he had a companion with him, and the companion's name was Hope. And Hope said, remember your previous victories? Remember how you, you won victories in the past? And so it came about, they began to pray. Hope and Christian began to pray together. And suddenly, Christian woke up and said, oh, what a crazy person I am. What a ridiculous person I am. I forgot that I have in my heart a key, and the key is called promise. I'm going to take the key out and unlock Doubting Castle and get out. And Hope said, good news. Pluck it out of your heart and try it. And as soon as he did, the prison gates opened. I want to tell you how powerful promise is as an antidote to doubt. Sometimes we just think that faith is the antidote to doubt, and that's true. But promise is the thing sometimes that unlocks our faith and allows our faith to flow. If we can say, wait a minute, God promised it. I know his past has been faithful. I know he's going to be faithful in the future. God is going to be faithful to me right now. And with that, we unlock our faith, and our faith reaches up to God, and we get to live in the supernatural, divine, I am, I am with you and will never leave you or forsake you of Jesus Christ. That's how God wants us to live. Does that mean we aren't going to have difficulties? No. Does that mean bad things aren't going to come? Right? No, not at all. Doubting Castle will always be sitting on the hill inviting us to come visit. Despair will always want to capture us. But we have this hope in us, and it's a promise that God keeps his promises. He is faithful. His promises are all faithful and amen. Let it be, Lord. Let it be.
This ends our No Doubt About It series, and I guess that's really our goal, is for you to have no doubt about it. Today, I want to end by saying there is no doubt about it. God is faithful. God is good. God is true. God is powerful, and he will never leave you or forsake you. That is our God. Today, I want, I want to ask you, uh, as our, if, you, if you'll all stand together with me, um, I'm going to ask the prayer team, if you'll come and stand around the front, please. There's something that I want to mention to you. Today, I really believe that some of you are in a place of doubt that God's promises for the present somehow are evading you. Really, I, I know that you can look back and can't deny what God has done in the past. And I even think most of you say, God, I just, I just really believe in the future is going to be better. But right now, God cares about you. Right now. His promises are yes to you right now. What I want you to do is I want you in just a moment, I want you to slip out and come and find one of these people and just say, would you pray with me about this promise that God has for it? Maybe you're in the middle of sickness. Maybe you're in the middle of financial difficulty. Maybe you're in the middle of relationship issues. Maybe you're in the middle of despair, depression. Maybe you're in the middle of worry and anxiety. Maybe you're in the middle of family issues. It doesn't really matter what you're in the middle of. I want you to know God's promises to you are that he is with you and he wants to work in your life today. I want you to let hope speak to you right now like it did to Christian. And hope says, in your heart is a key. And that key is God's promise. I'm going to ask you, slip out from where you are and come and just let one of these people hold that key with you and agree with you for God to show up right now. For God to show up right now. Would you step out and come right now? Come on, as they sing, would y'all just step out and come the right now? The cross has the final word. God's calling you. Come on, right now. Just step out right now. The cross has the final There's no reason you should go home without this opportunity coming to you today. God's promises are for you today. God's promises are for you today. The cross has the final word. There's time. Would you just step out? Would you step out? The cross has the final word. Evil may put up its strongest fight, but the cross has the final word. I believe God is still speaking to some people. I, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray at this moment. Lord God, you would let somebody know by the pounding of their heart that you want to change something today. Today, they braved our hurricane and they're here and now you want to finish what you brought them here for. In Jesus' name, I pray they'll have the courage to come right now and let someone agree for that blockage to be broken. In Jesus' name, would you step out? Come on, as they sing it one more time. Step out. Someone will be here to.